This week on the One Cast, we're joined by Destin Amarian, EQ angler. He's going to talk about last season, uh, what he thinks about the changes to BSS, and we'll see what else comes up. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a fucking toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day. There's always a pause. We don't know who's <laughs> going to steal it or who's going to run with it. But welcome back to the OneCast, uh, 47th episode that we've done. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, last couple have been with uh, two Elite Series anglers. We had Paul and uh, I can't believe I just did that. And Paul Brad. and Brad from the NPFL join us uh, to talk about their season this year. Uh, some changes maybe coming and uh, just the continued culture growth there. Had a great time at that event. Uh, our episode after this one will be us recapping our time down there at uh, Stop 6 at Lake Lanier, uh, where they crowned uh, the AOI champion. Congrats to Todd Goad. If you didn't listen to our episode with him, go back and check that one out. Uh, he was able to do his job and, and finish that out. And then, uh, man, Patrick Walters won, just winning everything this year. Uh, between the elites, the MPFL, he's had he's had a heck of a year. So he was able to to raise the uh, the trophy down there, the shield, and uh, take home another hundred grand. Uh, before we bring Destin on, make sure you head to onecastfishing.com. Use the code the onecast at checkout. Save yourself some money. Get some snagless jigs, long neck hooks. Uh, soft plastics are dwindling, but I think you were getting ready to reorder, right? Or did you already? Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll have them restocked. Uh, the ones that are low or out, we've got a couple that are out. They should be restocked by hopefully the end of next week. Yeah, there knock on wood. I'm gonna knock on this heavy table here. If, it's def- <laughs> it's definitely wood. If you're uh, if you're waiting on certain colors, I know that he's gotten a bunch of messages and stuff. Make sure you keep your eyes open for that to come. You guys have anything before we get with Destin? Hey, if you guys are in the Lake Norman area, Lake Norman, North Carolina, like this will probably drop after the fact. But uh, Special Operations Bass Anglers, check them out. We're going to be uh, fishing a charity tournament up at Lake Norman uh for chief warrant officer cantrell who passed away uh, several years ago um so huge shout out to special operations bass anglers for hosting that annual event um it's always in a in memorial for a different uh for a different fallen service member so we'll be up there hopefully crushing some really not lake lanier size spotted bass but there will be some spotted bass caught so and I, i just have to give ourselves a pat on the back we don't ever do that uh, you know, it takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of logistical planning to stay consistent in the podcast world. And, uh, you know what, I'm going to give us a pat on the back. Cause like you guys said, episode 47. So appreciate everyone following along with us. Like it means everything and without everyone's support and viewership and all that stuff and friendship, uh, we wouldn't do this. We couldn't do this. So yeah, yeah. you're right. And, and tr- I think, uh, I think our goal at the beginning of the year was to release an episode every single week. And we have done that so far that's right and we're on track to finish it up by the year and i know we're going to bring destin on i don't remember when he came on i don't remember that was before the classic or after he might it was before it was the first episode five or something yeah first five episodes he was on he was very early on so glad to get him back we said we were going to bring him back to talk about the eqs uh like trey said there's a lot of logistics that go into what we've done and and we've uh we've figured it out we've struggled along the way but but we're making it happen like I was late tonight because I went and looked at a house and last second and uh, it happens. But we're here. We're recording uh, 47th week in a row. We're going to bring you an episode. And uh, yeah, let's grab. Yeah, let's let's bring Destin. Without further ado. Further ado. (laughs) Hello. Hello, guys. What's going on? Destin Demarion with his awesome. 
Angler Tan. I heard that whole thing. Congrats, 47th episode. That is impressive. You guys are grinding away. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a grind like uh, like Norman's gonna be next week. It's a (laughs) (laughs) grind. Yeah, it will be. Thanks for sending me. Embrace the grind of Lake Norman, man. Yeah, appreciate all those waypoints, Destin. I won't tell Pete. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you 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 got Destin's. I got Craig's. Oh, here we go. (laughs) No, uh, Destin, we're glad to have you back. You like we said, you were. Somewhere like episode five, while we get rolling, I'm actually going to pull it up and look because now I'm super interested. But uh, how are you doing, man? How's everything going? Pretty good. Just getting back to the uh, normal day-to-day family life, work, grind. I mean, I don't know if we talked about it a little bit, but, um, you know, it just snowed last night, which is kind of like back to the reality of the northern northern seasons coming in our fishing season dwindling. I know, I know we were talking about it before we started, but, and you know, the cold weather we're talking, you know, the, the rut for, for whitetail deer hunting and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I haven't been in the woods a single time. You don't even hunt anymore. I know Pete's getting ready to go out this weekend, Ben hunts. Um, it's hard to do though, when the water's open and your boat's ready to go, isn't it? Very hard, <laughs> especially being, um, a mile and a half from putting my boat in on Lake Erie. So it, anytime we get a little bit of reprieve, I'm, I'm out there, even if it's like an hour in the evening before dark in the, in the fall, I'll, I'll do what I got to do. But we went out this past weekend. I took a couple of my buddies, my one team partner that we were fishing the team championship together um, here in a few weeks. But uh, we, we absolutely destroyed them. It took us a little bit to really like get on good, good, consistent bite we caught good ones just scattered around and then we got on one of my good spots from that i found in college actually shore fishing mm. and mm. um we we sat there and caught them like every cast for like an hour and when they i dropped them off for a wedding and i went back out and caught them pretty much every cast for the next hour <laughs> did you send him pictures for that hour while you know he was uh, i did yeah the whole time they were driving back to Ohio, yeah. I, so i gotta give you guys massive credit so if you know anybody that's like a serious competitive angler like destin and there's a lot of them out there of course but i'm really terrible at it uh, plus, I suck. So when you take pictures of your fish, you do a really good job at only having the sky in the background. <laughs> like you do that, like lean down. Here's the picture. I'm all holding them up like, hey, look at the terrain behind me. You can totally find out where I'm fishing. Yeah. But you guys do such a great job at you that. Can, I don't know if that's on purpose, but I got to give you kudos. You're doing it all wrong if you're doing it that way. You put them in the live well, and then you go to some random place on <laughs> the lake. Spot, right. Exactly. <laughs> and then, Just and like then, the memes say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you you see how it is like on Jordan and, and lakes where there's a lot of pressure. Erie's the same way, man. Like if you take a picture, there's a lot of very distinguishable land features up around there, and if it's there, they'll be like, "Ooh, I know that lighthouse." Fifty-two guys sitting <laughs> on your hole the next day if they're not already following you because you have a wrapped boat. But yeah, um, well, that's that's number one right there. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully, this time of year, this is my favorite time. Yeah. Specifically, the spring is great. I love fishing in the spring. However. This time of year, not many boats out. That's when everybody's yeah. hunting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everybody's put their boat away for the winter, and we'll go out until. I mean, we've we went out till New Year's Eve one year. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We I think caught 180 on New Year's Eve two years ago. I think two yep. or three. I remember that. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it's good. You you can catch them until you just can't put your boat in anymore. Really. I mean, they're they're there. You just hope it's not super muddy and blown out. 
Yeah. yeah. That's really the only thing that's going to kill it. That's about it. But right now, it's been clear. I mean, it's probably muddy after this win this last few days, but we're going to try to get out a couple of days here this weekend. Are, are now in the – because you don't really have an off-season, um, and I don't think any competitive angler really has an off-season. But in the in the cold – Northern winter will do that, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you still running guided trips uh, in, in the yeah. cold weather, are you? Yeah. Like I had two this weekend. The one guy, he canceled because of – the weather or something but um, the other guy we're still going out for sure fair weather it's, it's just hard to schedule this time of year because your days you might get one or two days that you can go out during a week so to schedule it far in advance it's really hard to plan for that yeah. whereas mm-hmm. the springtime you know you got more protected fishing you know in the bay you can always do that which you can do that now but i mean this time of year i want to be out in the lake yeah, yeah. that's where you you catch them big old fat girls mm-hmm. out there on the lake man mm-hmm. I, I do miss that my oh dustin chubby chasing around you gotta get back up here. <laughs> oh, no. my old man's been up there whacking them the last couple yeah. weeks and sending pictures and it's like total oh, has he? yeah i was wondering if he's been getting out yeah they've been on a pretty good crankbait bite and uh he got into him pretty good actually super shallow not that long ago which he had never done before even though i've been telling him don't be afraid to get shallow but they got into him last week or or something on a, one of good our tip. spots like five foot of water so don't be afraid to go shallow in the fall people yeah no uh, kidding if the bait's there the fish will be there don't but, uh, don't be afraid to put a gps tracker on destin's boat like your dad did. i've got right? like three every time i every time i see destin i drop an air tag in his boat. i got like 15 of them in there, just in case one dies uh, so we're, we're, before we jump into the uh the 2023 recap um talk about what you got coming up here uh in december man yeah so funny enough i only fished one tournament in the team thing i was a substitute for my buddy tyler who we usually fish team stuff but i was gone too much and uh we qualified for the team championship so we're going uh we're going down to harris chain here in a few weeks isn't that where i'm hoping to get my new boat all rigged and ready to take for for that tournament but i still have my other one um until then but okay hopefully we can get it get it going nice so that, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. No, uh, uh, so team uh, BASS, right? Yeah. So it's another way to get the classic. So if you win, if you win this. There's like a fish off. I don't, I don't understand how that works, especially because Tyler's not gonna have a boat. But <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we'd make it, uh, we'll figure something out. I got a lot of friends down there. I'm sure we borrow one. But uh, then there's a fish off. If you win the tournament, the top six teams or something do a fish off on the last two two days i think yeah and then that one person who wins that's a that's a yeah, classic birth right yeah that's how uh matt robertson yep made the classic i think the first his time first time yeah okay they used to provide boats for the co's for that but i don't they might not do that anymore with how the they might. economy sure. and everything is yeah probably not with the yeah, way things because are I, right now, I thought with the team i thought they provided one for that and then if you won as the co-angler they provided a boat for you to use for the classic as well um i don't i don't know if they still do that it's been a while since i looked yeah i don't it's all changed so much that who knows what it is now you you were right at one point he's gonna take a bass tracker to the classic hey he can take he can take mine if he wants to and then uh i can say my boat's been in the classic brand new transducer bro i broke it off at lake lanier so we're good to go so he he can take this one 
Yeah. yeah. Trey, Trey harnessed his inner John Cox and was trying to go <laughs> up the river to see what John was doing and found a log. Yeah. Well, Ooh, you know that log. I thought it was going to move out of the way, but clearly it said, no, I'm standing my ground. And yeah, you know, but I have to give. Uh, so you played chicken with a log. And I lost. did. Yeah. Yeah. It, it knocked the cluck out of me. So, uh, but yeah, I have to give uh, a Hammond's Bay shop down in Lake Lanier, man. They, they, were phenomenal uh and they knew that we not that we are a part of the mpfl but we we're down there supporting you know our mission and, and and theirs and uh they were really good to me so i have to give them a lot a huge shout out so if you're ever in the lake oh, lanier area great. yeah they're that awesome excellent tackle shop that yeah, has they like are the best spotted bass like blueback herring lake stuff around i've never sure. seen so many soft plastics in one, yeah. one store and you know exactly what colors you need to get because they're not in stock yep. so, <laughs> yeah that's how i always shop at a store like that yeah you what got it they have? okay there's one pack grab that. you got it yep. in the back <laughs> yeah what you got what you got in inventory so nothing one thing about lanier and destin you fish it a few times i'm sure yeah a couple times the number of dang brush piles on that lake because the last day uh, Trey did a media ride along with Stephanie uh, Temple Pellerin, and I rode with Hunter Bogman um, for the last day of the tournament. And just like, I could not believe how many brush piles, uh, natural and I'm sure a lot of man made, are in that lake. It was like every point had seven on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you almost have it to. Makes it, it almost makes it harder because it's everywhere. You yeah. Know? The places where there's not as much of it, it's easier to like hone in. But when it's everywhere, you really got to like weed through a lot to find, you know, the good ones. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I, I put the boat in on uh, Hartwell and not that this is a freaking Lake Linear recap, but I put the boat in on Hartwell before Ben and Pete got down there. And I was like, where's the water at? Cause there's more brush piles in our water on this lake. It's crazy, man. It's like, how do you fish it? You know, like where do the, how do you know where the big ones at versus the small ones are? It's just time on the water. Fish yep. Yeah. You just got to go out and do it. I mean, I fished the open at Hartwell last year. That was my best tournament. And, um, I just had to run a lot of it. Yeah. I found the ones that were holding bigger fish and that's usually how I, you know, I ended up catching some good fish. Yeah. In that type of scenario, you know, know, for everyone listening out there, kind of how do you break it down with that many brush piles? Because um, are you going to, for instance, you weed through some, you're catching small fish, you go to a place, you catch a couple of, like, are you looking for an area that are holding bigger fish and you're just fishing that area with brush piles Mm -hmm. or individual brush Uh, piles and making huge runs across the lake or like? I prefer not to like have to run a lot like a big area because i'm wasting time like i like to break it down like i find like a section of the lake if it's if they're biting in that section especially in the fall i think sections a lot of times will pop off just based on turnover and things like that that just the fish are biting more active in those areas so at at hartwell i just picked basically a third of the lake where i saw better water color um you know i saw more active fish activity a lot of moving around you know and when you threw a bait on them, they were more aggressive towards it. Mm-hmm. So oxygen level, you know, stuff like that, whatever it was. But there was a certain – there was a delineation between, you know, a section – that section of the lake and the rest. You know, I, I found that that – and that was where the tournament was won, you know. Okay. I watched – they had the live the last day, and it was the exact same area. Uh, the guy that won was fish. He's, we both started within 100 yards of each other in the morning the first day. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Yeah, there's a. I learned a lot. I know these guys did too. Just being down there, like not even fishing, you just learn uh, those those blueback herring lakes. Like they're a different beast, man. You know, oh, yeah. I, obviously, old John Cox from Florida did what he did best, but you know, everyone else was targeting big spots. And uh, you're absolutely right. Like there were certain areas of the lake they just weren't producing. So that's just time yeah. on the water though and experience. So and just like traditionally certain areas of the lake where they have tournaments and stuff and just dump a lot of the fish like there's more more of a population in some of the areas and just the way you know the lakes neck down and open up and where there's a little bit more current from wind and stuff it's just going to concentrate them and just seasonally it changes obviously yeah for sure yeah so, so before, to recap you you know you said that was your best finish uh was it last or, well not this not this season two yeah two uh, years one, ago yep yeah. uh but this season, 2023, just a quick schedule recap. Uh, started at Lake Eufaula in Alabama, went to Toledo Bend, which is in Louisiana, Texas, right on the border there. Then you came up here to Bugs Island, uh, <laughs> which is in North Carolina, Virginia border. You got uh, to ride along with me. Yeah, yeah, I rode with you for a day. Uh, Wheeler Lake in Alabama, the other Lake Eufaula in Oklahoma, mm. uh, St. Lawrence River, Watts Bar, uh, Lake of the Ozarks, and then rounded it out at the Harris Chain, so... Uh, I know you didn't have the finish that you, you wanted. Obviously, you wanted to be up there in that that top nine, but um, you, mm-hmm. you had a not a horrible season. You were kind of middle of the pack, and um, right. I, I don't know how'd you feel about the year. Disappointed, I'm sure, but did you learn mm-hmm. a lot? Or yeah, you know, I feel like this year more than ever, I've just seen a distinct shift in what's what's working and what's like the trend of things, you know, I think more, more so this year that I've noticed just how dominant forward facing sonar is everywhere we go. And, mm-hmm. and even the Harris chain and places traditionally where it might've not been um, even Lake Eufaula, Oklahoma, which traditionally I, I wouldn't think of it as that kind of place. I mean, our tournament, was one there. The NPFL was one, you know, chasing bait around and you follow Oklahoma. Um, it just seemed, seemed like a little bit different in that sense than it, than it has been. But I'd say that trend has kind of been going that way, but more evident this year that I've seen, um, you know, that, and, and really, I think where I've, I've went wrong was not fully committing to doing that. Mm-hmm. And just kind of one foot in, one foot out. And uh, I don't think you can do that anymore. You know, I, I think you got to really either commit to it or you got to John Cox it and you got to fully, you know, commit to the, yeah. you know, that shallow up the river type, type bite, you know. Did, and I, when you say commit, do you, do you mean commit like each tournament? You make that decision during practice saying this yes. is the strategy or are you saying for like the entire season? my option a should be doing this and if it, if i can't figure it out then i got to do something else obviously but mm-hmm. um a little bit of both i would say your best chance to be consistent if you look at the guys that have made the 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 eqs and you know the other guys that did fairly well and are right there too um just seeing them out on the water when i'm passing in tournament and practice you, you've got to commit to doing that whether it's first when you put your boat in the first day of practice, you start panning around, you know, like you got to just 
be in that mode where you got to be fishing like that, you know? Yeah. And it, you know, there, you're not the first one who's, who's been doing this for a while, uh, at all levels, high, up to the highest level that have said like, I, I need to commit now, you know, you know, Dave mm-hmm. Lefevre pre- fairly well. I've, I've fished against mm-hmm. him and talked to him a lot, uh, growing up in Pennsylvania, him being there in Erie. And that was one of the things like when he did his year recap, he's like, I'm spending this entire fall on forward facing sonar because it's, it's what I have to do. Like you have to, it has to be a tool in your arsenal you that you're comfortable with anymore. Yeah. You just can't without without the tournament lining up to John Coxett, you know, and you, and you being that kind of fisherman and, like, that's your style. The only other way to be super consistent is to commit to that 100%. Mm-hmm. Unless you're at a fishery where you have a lot of history and knowledge and understanding of how the fish move without that, you know. How like, much? say you're the grass Potomac River or something like place where I don't think it's going to help as much, but <laughs> it'll surprise you. Like a place <laughs> like that, someone's going to find them that way. You know, someone's going to figure out how to catch them that way. And that's what we did. Pilings and stuff. We we talked about that with uh, one of the BPTs events is coming here to the Chowan River, which traditionally guys are, do a lot of fishing in the river itself, uh, yeah. or when they're offshore, it's very specific to like humps and stuff. And I made the call as soon as they announced the schedule. I'm like, somebody's going to win that in the sound on forward-facing sonar because they're going to find big fish because there are big fish over in that river system that are not molested. Oh, yeah. They're not. They haven't seen a thousand frogs. They haven't seen a thousand swim jigs. Uh, you know, Texas rigs, flipping baits, all of that. Somebody, one of them guys is going to find them, and they're going to lay the wood to them, and they're going to come in oh, yeah. with, with a giant sack. And and you're right. There's there's people that have committed to it. Um, and the, you know, that, that's the way they fish and we, we don't have an issue with it. Like we don't get really get in the forward facing sonar debate, but like it's a tool and, sure. and you either learn to use that tool, uh, or, or you kind of get left behind. And it's the same as when, when folks oh, started yeah. using, you know, 2d and, and then down imaging came out. And then when side imaging came out, I remember when side imaging came out, everybody said, we're going to kill fisheries. The fisheries are all going to die. The, the fish yeah, can't right. hide offshore anymore. You're going to know where all the brush piles are. And and it, it really didn't impact it. So uh, it will be curious with bass doing the studies now on how, how it impacts fish and things like that. But um, yeah. have you committed more time this fall than in the off season, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to, uh, to kind of get more comfortable with that? Yeah, definitely. You know, I feel like I'm pretty comfortable with it. And even on the elites, I would kick myself and be like, why didn't I just just do that the whole time? You know, it would frustrate me when I'm like, okay, I went and, and fished, you know, and did something that I would normally do, like a pattern or something like that. Whereas I find out, you know, at Lake Fork, Patrick Walters is turning his transducer up and catching them up in the timber suspended at, in the fall, which, I mean, I survived that tournament and had a good finish, but I mean, it was the difference between catching a bunch of fish and just scraping and clawing to get, you know, a $12,000 check or whatever, you know, when, when you, um, when, if you ask the guys, you know, that fish the EQs with you, um, do they have the same, the, the same mentality? Like are, were there a lot of guys that were like one foot in one foot out with forward facing sonar Mm -hmm. or. So like I travel with some guys that are probably like, just a notch generation older than me. 
So traditionally shallow fishermen, jig fishermen, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. A a lot of them are literally like fed up with it. Mm. You know, they don't want to fish anymore. They don't want to learn that, that way. You know, they don't want to learn how to fish that way, which I think I'm fortunate in that sense. Like I'm not in that boat in in the sense of like, I kind of grew up in between, you know, I grew up where, the, the electronics was just kind of starting where when I started my career, it was about learning how to fish, you know, patterns and stuff, but also when the electronics kind of were booming, you know, as things were changing the whole way through. So, I mean, I like the electronics. I, I think it's, it's a good thing for the sport. Um, anything that's helping you catch fish is a good thing. Um, it's just something new to learn. It's just something new. It's, it does change your style of fishing. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I think it's more fun to sling a chatterbait around shallow or throw a frog and do that kind of stuff. But I know in tournament, you're, the best thing to do is to do what's going to catch the biggest fish. So if that's not doing it anymore, you got to adjust. You right. Know? I think a lot of people, uh, you know, there's so many naysayers against forward facing sonar and, and they, they can be, you know, they can be opposed to it all they want. But I think like a lot of people need to, to remember that there's a very, very, very small percentage. And I mean, a super small percentage of national tournament anglers that if they're not using it, if they're not, if they don't have that tool in their, in their kit bag, they're at a huge disadvantage. And until they make a rule where you can't have it, or you're limited to how many transducers you have, or whatever the case may be, you're paying or your sponsors are paying for you to enter into this competitive environment why wouldn't you put yourself at the same playing level as everyone else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but everything gets wrapped around tournament angling and not just like angling in general. So, uh, but yeah, man. So, so the first, first event was where Pete? Ufala. Ufala, Alabama. What, what was up with that event, man? How'd that go? Uh, pretty decent, you know? Um, I actually caught them mostly flipping. Did you? And uh, I did catch two two offshore, like in brush piles and stuff, you know, with live scope, well, live active target. Um, but I was flipping, and I figured out how to get the – they were moving up, but then the weather changed, and it, the ones that were up kind of stayed, but, like, a lot of the big females kind of backed off or, or, you know, it just depended on the area that you're in yeah but uh i did get creative you know i was fishing some areas that were getting a little pressure so i put a little owner flashy accent i screwed it into the senko that i was flipping and it was like a light switch i mean they'd start swimming away i'd flip a senko in there they wouldn't touch it i flip another bit they wouldn't touch it you flip that senko with that spin a little bit dirty water too you just kind of like pull it just a little bit start swimming away Three pounder, three pounder. You uh, you posted that on YouTube, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Because I remember taking a snapshot of watching you, and I sent it to him, and I was like, "Oh, look who I'm watching." And I noticed that 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 technique, and I don't own any of those like little you know flashy deals that screw into the end of a stick bait, mm-hmm. but 
I was like, wow, I, I learned I have something. like a, a thousand pack in my boat and every once in a while I put one in. <laughs> Anytime something, Pete's like, I'll, yeah. I'll buy the whole store. No, I already <laughs> had them because I, I have used them like an Erie and stuff on a Ned rig, especially like yeah, you'll get, you'll get that's those. That's a good little way to catch them. Yeah. yeah. Anybody that's listening, there's a little inside. Like if you're having a tough bite and they want that finesse stuff, a lot of times you can throw that flasher on there and you'll start picking up bites when when it's slow and it might be the difference between catching one every cast and catching one every 10 cats or whatever but um that's yes. that's when i really used it but i never thought about it on stick bait till till yeah. lesson showed it is that um, something that reflects well or gives you feedback on forward facing sonar if you're using it yeah you'll see it i mean if you throw a stick bait but i mean i was fishing dirt you know yeah i wasn't i wasn't using it um, I did, I had one sight fish that saved me the second day I rolled in there. My co-angler's like, Oh, we fished in here yesterday. We couldn't get it to bite. And I was like, he's right there. And I roll right in at the end of the day. I was like, Oh, he's still there. He's like, no way. He, my dude flipped on that fish, like for two hours, never got a bite. First cast with that spinner. I watched it go down. He went, ate it. <laughs> got it. <laughs> Can't catch another just, man's fish. That's right. Well, it's literally, well, people have been fishing it for two days like there was only a few fish in this little area like they were sight fish and i was like there's no way it's still there and i was like let's just a hope and a prayer yeah, and i'll yeah. run in there and catch one three pounder throwing the boat like, <laughs> thank you lord <laughs> right mm -hmm. but um, it, it's just the little details like that and it's so hard sometimes to you get in that groove of like this is what's going to catch them. And I got to throw these baits and these are the colors at this lake. And this yeah. is how you, what's going on this time of year. Like a lot of times my, my one roommate, Craig, Pete has met him. Yep. He, he's out there. You know what I mean? And <laughs> Craig, and Craig and I, I love you, Craig. If you, if you listen, and he and I work polar opposites. Because, <laughs> yes. Cause we're completely different. Completely different. So, I'm like the structured, like, military type like that you know what i mean like i got a plan i got a mission we're gonna do this you know what i mean not craig and, and he's like just like i'm just gonna go out there and he's like yeah i, I tied on this thing and blah blah, blah. i threw like why the heck did you throw that thing and he's like yeah they were eating i caught seven pounder first cast a six pounder next house why'd you even throw that like it makes no sense and he's like oh, i just felt like doing it i'm like all right so it's, it's good like his his uh his mind can come up with some interesting stuff yeah craig uh when i met craig that was, me, that was me i taught i showed him that one destin not that he warned me but he was like you're gonna like craig and i'm like oh yeah, yeah. he's like yeah he's nothing like me and i was like yeah okay nothing like destin <laughs> completely if you took destin and thought of the complete opposite that's craig good good dude but i don't want to go tournament by tournament because that would take forever yeah, but i want to i'm gonna punch time. you in the gut and then we're gonna lift you up so what was your worst okay. event this year, and what did you learn out of that? Oh, gosh. I think, honestly, St. Lawrence or Harris Chain, I think. I think it might have been St. Lawrence because I was shocked. Pete's fat chicken. Her yeah. he's, re he's really Well, you can pick one of those two because you struggled that, on both of them. That one was so. frustrating as heck just because, like, it was one of those ones, like, I don't know why, you know, it's not – coming together because like i was getting the bites and they just i couldn't catch put them in the boat for some reason um just one of those days i mean you have them 
That was St. Lawrence? Yeah, I guess that's St. Lawrence. Yeah, he was yeah. 139 at St. Lawrence. Yeah, so that one was interesting because, you know, you're a northern swing guy. I mean, you obviously fish all over the country. But when you – and correct me if I'm wrong. When you think of your strong suit, smallmouth fishing would be your strong suit. No? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I think smallmouth or spotted bass, which okay. to me is about the same about thing. the same, yeah. So what was going on in that tournament? Like you couldn't keep them buttoned or you couldn't – or like what was going on yeah so like the first morning the first uh good fish but i see it it's like a five pounder it follows a spy bait out and it would follow it wouldn't wouldn't commit and go right back to where it was so i was like okay i threw a hair jig over there first cast watch it eats it swims forward snap my line snap oh, i was no. like what in the heck I was like, I just retied this whole leader. And it was like, I made sure it was good. Was like, okay, whatever. Just one fit. Well, that was the second bite. I had a bed fish right before that, like a four and a half pounder. And I got that one right to the boat at tailwalk and just threw it. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> mm. I was like, yeah, no, no big deal. Then right, go right around the corner. That other one. It's like, all right, we're good. We're just going to keep going. I'll go to another spot. Um, Went to there. My co-angler caught one over five, which was – I was happy. I mean, he, it was on top water, so that was pretty cool. And um, my my co-angler practice partner, he was with his pro on the spot that we were fishing, which, I mean, we both fished it. So, I mean, it wasn't mad or anything. It's not his fault. And he took his guy there because he didn't have anything. So, I was like, crap, I can't fish there. He's on the juice. So, I left there, went back, and fished some of my stuff. And – for some reason they were they're following you know hair jig stuff like that but if i could get them before they got too close to the boat and i could kind of like back off i'd throw like a, a tube or something at them real far away and just kind of leave it there and doop, they'd eat it doop, come off <laughs> i was like what in the heck those are the most frustrating days and I, they've all happened to us you know, the one that happened to me the most was out of Jordan Lake, a little club tournament. All week, I got off work early, and I was pre-fishing, and I had this spot. All week, I, I wouldn't fish it very much, but I go make sure they're still there. Every time I go there, three or four pounder. And I'm there on tournament day. Of course, on Saturdays, you know, the, the fish don't bite the same, so it was a little slower, and there was traffic out there. But I literally had four or five fish come off. They broke my line. They, they just came off the hook. I was fishing a drop shot. It, 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 I was, I was, it was so frustrating. I was literally sitting down in my passenger seat, just dragging that thing along <laughs> until one would bite because I know they were there. And then the line would break. And I'm like, well, it's just one of those days. Like, I can't, that's why I'll never use that type of line again. And yeah. It, but um, when, when you talk about momentum, and we talk about it all the time, like momentum when you're, you're being successful, it works the same the other way. Like a lot of my bad torrents have come from a start of the day like Destin just talked about and it's just like steam rules I think I even I texted you one time in the middle of a tournament and I was like bro <laughs> like how do I how do I get out of this because I had fish after fish yeah, after that. fish come unbuttoned at the boat and uh I'm like I, I can't keep a fish peg and I'm about to break every single rod <laughs> I have off the gunnel like what do you do and you were like just sit down for a minute and chill so then I started doing that and uh like your your advice really helped but once that negative starts going, it can kind of roll. Yeah, you don't want to let that snowball. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like I call it a it's a mental reset. So like you gotta like take yourself out of that situation, reset. So 
sometimes I'll take a knee and fill with my graphs and I'll stand up like new mindset, different, you know, different thing going ne- next quarter, essentially of the game. Yeah. So it's like, move on. Um, there's just little cues and stuff you can do mentally to just like move past that. Um, but yeah, I, I feel your pain. There, there's sometimes it just doesn't, mm-hmm. you can't explain it. And that wasn't the, the one breaking the line. That was one time. Like I don't, my line's awesome. Like I don't distrust my lines. So yep. I don't want to get that twisted. There was one tournament in my career early on that line was a huge issue. Yep. I got three bad spools of leader line and it cost me winning a Southern open Ooh. Um, early in my, and I'll never use that brand again. And I won't talk about that, but like th- those are the experiences that like, well, you can't change it. It obviously happened for a reason. You don't know that reason. It might stink, <laughs> but you just got to keep rolling on. What else yeah. can you do? I mean, yeah. being mad, being, you know, wallowing in your pity, like how's that going to be helpful in moving forward? You yeah. Know? yeah. I don't know. It makes me feel better. Yeah. (laughs) It really doesn't. It really doesn't. Like you notice your whole mentality, your whole demeanor changes. You start missing bikes because you're not doubting because all you're thinking about is the one that you you lost a minute ago. Like it just unravels the entire day. And and that's why I hit you up that day. I'm like, I need to talk to somebody. And like, I was like, I'm hitting Destin up. And you were like, you just need to reset dude. And so I sat down, I think I drank a bottle of water, maybe ate a beef jerky stick or something. And, like went back to it and I ended up ended up with a limit. I think I cashed a check, but still it was like yeah. you just had to you have to figure out what works for you in the mm-hmm. in those situations. And right. It's um, different for everybody. But that's we talked about the mental side with everybody that comes on. And that's why I wanted to ask you about, you know, your worst for the year because that's I find those days are usually when you learn the most. Like it may not be a technique or or what you were doing, but it might be a mental the mental side of the game that you learn. Like taking that reset and how to do that and what works for you to get back into it. Um, but those, those you tend to learn more from those than you do than the ones when you go out and you start whacking them and, and you, you know, you, you finish where you think you're going to finish or you win. Um, the the yeah. tournaments I've won, I've never learned anything. I like, I went out there and said this, I'm going to catch them. And I caught them that way that day. It's not like I figured something out and, and picked that. Not that that can't happen. Like we've seen it happen mm-hmm. at, at all levels. Somebody figures something out and it, it goes, it goes to show. So, I did look. St. Lawrence was your worst. You were one, I think, one twenty nine there, and then one twenty seven at the Harris. So that momentum again, you kind of you kind of finished, uh, you know, a little bit rough. But what what was your best one this year? Probably Ufala, um Alabama. I think. Okay. Yeah, that was in the thirties, uh, I believe. Close that one or Watts Bar. I mean, honestly, Watts Bar was my best tournament. It just it it didn't. It was another unfortunate circumstance as far as things happening that are just you can't predict or out of your control but i mean i felt like i was on a very consistent bite and i got you know the right bites to have a very good tournament and put them in the boat it's just one of those fluke crazy things that was at watts bar yeah so you talk about i had an 18 inch smallmouth that i caught i think it was my second or third fish first day i measured it twice i mean it was it was a nice fish Kept it, didn't think twice about it. Um, I caught six more keepers probably throughout the day, you know, more two-pounders. Ended up making a blunder. It could have went either way. I mean, I caught a shaky head fish, caught deep later in the day. It called one, but 
I knew it was kind of risky. It was towards the end of the day. I didn't know if I'd catch another keeper. So I was like, yeah, I'll take a chance. I, I would have called it two more times. So I had to keep that one, lost that fish. And then when I got to the tanks, couldn't couldn't measure the 18-inch smallmouth, threw it back, lost a pound. So mm-hmm. I think I must have checked by seven ounces um, in that one. Yeah, yeah, I remember watching that one. And uh, I, fe- I felt the pain for you on that. Like, you had five, you showed the smallmouth, and, and then, you know, watched Wayne and saw four fish. And I was yeah. like, what in the heck? What do you mean four fish? Yeah, I was fish? fishing with uh, John Garrett's grandfather the first day. Okay. And he's like, dude, he's like, you're going to be in the top five or top ten or something. And he's like, you're having an awesome day. He's like, I haven't seen this kind of weight all, all week. And I was like, it's just my day. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> it changed quite drastically. <laughs> yeah, it took us time we got back. I had to throw back a couple two-pounders that I couldn't keep because the smallest fish was dead. And I could have thrown the smallmouth back and had two more other fish to replace. For everyone listening on Watts Bar, Watts Bar is what, Tennessee? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Tennessee. Uh, smallmouth have to be, yeah, they have to be 18 inches on that body water, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the rule of thumb? And and for, for everyone, like fish lose weight and fish shrink in your live well. It's, it it can, happens. Yeah. It, I mean, mm-hmm. they'll regurgitate food and then, you know, stress and all the other things, you know, like it just happens. But for you, when you put a fish on the on the board, do you like to have a rule of thumb where it's the tail is over that, whatever it is? Or, are mm-hmm. I mean, clearly yes, you made sure it was at least an eighth of an inch over. So it'll um, shrink over an eighth of an inch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it also just depends. You know, maybe I didn't have the fish perfectly on the board or something, although I did manipulate it like two or three times to make sure, you know, it was closed mouth and all that. But, I mean, it was the same for a lot of guys. When it happened to me, uh, another guy came up. He's like, dude, did, he took your smallmouth too. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I measured mine 10 times when I got back, and he threw mine back. So, I mean – I'm not blaming him, but it's something you need to consider mm-hmm. if it's that close, is it worth that risk? Sure. You know, and, and that's a hard one. I know a lot of people they theirs were thrown back, you know, it might have been seventeen point nine nine nine. Like it's not eighteen. I mean, that's true. Like yeah. that's true. I mean, it's easy. It, it can be easy to blame the, you know, the guy or gal that's, you know, bumping well, bumping the fish and stuff like that. I know these ter- these sanctioned tournament organizations I have to say that sanctioned tournament organizations do a very good job at making sure that you know they they keep the utmost integrity but i'm sure it crosses people's mind where it's like dang dude like are, is he sure he measured that correctly you know what i mean but you know you, you can so the the issue i think that i should have done was one of my roommates that were staying there was a bunch of us staying at a house together he was behind me in line and after the fact he's like he's like dude you should have stopped the tournament and had the tournament director come back because mm-hmm. he's like two more people that were eq's guys had the tournament stopped and they let them keep the fish so mm. interesting okay. I, I that's i guess that might be my error or um yeah, I don't know. Well, that's a good piece of advice for anybody that's I looking. I kind of was just accepting that he, I mean, he tried and it yeah. was, you know, didn't work. You 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 made the assumption that he was going to do the job and it was going to be upheld for everybody and found out that well, potentially. No, he, I mean, he did he did his job consistently and he 
I mean, he tried, like he tried for a long time and, and I mean, yeah, it is what it is. I should say, I'm, I'm not trying to blame him. What I mean is like, you assume that everybody was going to, nobody was going to look for that courtesy or, or if you want to call it that, because I've, I've seen that happen. Well, I mean, that, we're all going to try to like make sure if you bring the fish and you want it to measure, you think it measured, you're going to do everything you can to make sure that, you know, that's, you know, it did. that is crazy. Cause now I'm thinking from a legal perspective, what if this wasn't a tournament? You catch an 18 inch smallmouth out there. And then the game warden comes up five hours later and measures your fish at 17.9. It, it, it'd be different. Um, because Tennessee rules are different than bass rules. Yeah. Bass, you fan the tail. In Tennessee, you can pinch the pinch tail. Pinch the tail, yeah. Oh, Got it. Okay. That's interesting. So, I guarantee all of ours would have been Tennessee legal, but it doesn't matter. It matters what the bass rules are. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, which is which is interesting that it's different, but, you know, rules, uh, rules are different. That's why it's important, you know, the tournament rules, you know, the state rules. Yeah. It, it's really tough, and, and we saw we'll it with Harvey, too. have different length limits, too, than the state, just based on they don't want a bunch of 12 inches being I mean, brought in. Like, I guess if, if it's a fish where you can catch them, you know, sometimes they'll just up the, the, uh, the, the limit size, um, which is normal. But, but even if you pinch the tail, like if you're just fun fishing or you're going to keep them, right? Cause people do keep small mouth, I guess sometimes, but you know, it's legal. You catch your, I don't know what Tennessee is. I assume you can have five in a day there too, but not if, small you, mouth. if you have, I don't know how many you can have in Tennessee. Uh, you could there depends that. on the lake, yeah. Fishery, yeah. Most of them, yeah, you can't. R- regardless, that that part's irrelevant. But if you pinch the tail and it, it touches eighteen, and you throw it in the live well, and then eight hours later you get checked by the law dog, <laughs> and it's seventeen point nine, like that is, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start taking photos on my bump board. I, be like, I can say, I have never seen a pinch tail fish shrink to where it was under the limit. I've seen it with fan tailed fish, but. I feel like if you pinch them and you get it, you can you can almost always still get it to, to get to that line. Yeah, usually. Yeah. So I've only weighed in a short fish. Maybe you tried to obviously twice, two or two times I think. Okay. Two or three. Did Did you um, have an? Oh, go ahead. One time it was at Chickamauga. It was a similar situation. I had a fish that was dying. I was catching them good, so I was like, "All right, I'll let it go, and I'll I'll catch another one." <laughs> I didn't. I didn't catch. I caught another one that was like barely a keeper, and then when I got back, it it didn't measure, so I lost that fish. Mm. So did we're talking about um, Watts Bar here? We talked about Saint Cl- or was it Saint Clair or Saint Lawrence? Saint Lawrence before. Um, did you have any throughout the twenty twenty three season? Did you have anything happen to you that? you've never experienced before or or like a like a six fish in your live well type situation did you, did you have anything like that happen other than the 18 inch or the trunk no thankfully but i have done that before <laughs> it's it's a lot easier than you think yeah but it's, no I, I didn't have any of that the the fish measuring thing i would say was the biggest surprise because you go back to the way and you're like man i had a great day and they're like what the <laughs> heck just happened right now yeah you yeah. go from having like 13 pounds to four for nine something. Or if you mm-hmm. mack a deer on your way. That, that oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thing. talk to us about that, man. <laughs> so you just got what? the you just got the Dur-Edge Dodge fixed not too long ago. What happened? Oh, yeah. uh, St. Lawrence, apparently that was 
a bad tournament for more <laughs> more reasons. Um, yeah, in practice, coming back one of the days, uh, hit a nice big old St. Lawrence upper upstate New York doe and took out the front side of the of the uh, the ram. Hmm. Did and, you guys uh, eat? Just, just finally got that fixed before <laughs> heading to Watts Bar. Yeah, and then got the wrap fixed uh, before Harris Chain in Atlanta where, where we got it done in Z details. Yeah. So when it rains, it pours a little bit up in, uh, upstate New York, huh? But you know what though? Like, I mean, that's just adversity and resiliency. You know what I mean? Like, and so that, that, that last tournament at the Harris chain, obviously everybody knows that's where all the classic births and, or the, uh, elite series births and stuff yeah. were. Um, I know we didn't want to talk tournament to tournament, but since that was the last one, were you confident going into that that tournament or what? Um, I felt like I I could catch some fish. Yeah, the the last day or two of practice, I started to figure something out. Um, I had found some areas that were definitely had some fish in them. They weren't getting fished very, very much, but it was a tough bite. Like you had windows, very small windows to catch them. Um, I kind of just was swinging for the fence. I mean, the only reason I went to that one was just to try to win. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was taking some chances. And we, first we, day, it did decent. Um, I think I flipped up like twelve pounds or something. And uh, the second day, the areas I was fishing got blown out by the wind. So I just I tried to adjust and just could not land on them again, I guess. Which, uh, which lakes were you primarily focusing on down there? I, I only fished Harris. Okay. Um, I, I basically was like, I'm just going to spend my whole practice here. I know a lot of people were going far away. Um, some of my roommates were going far away and getting more bites, but I felt like if I could maximize my time, I, I could get some good bites mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, have a chance. And, I mean- I mean, that's the problem. Like, if you try to go down to Apopka or even up to, like, Griffin, it's like an hour and a half. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, with all the canals. I, I told and- myself I'd never lock. That's that's one thing, which I might change my mind on that, but I told myself at Harris Chain and, and Toho I'd never lock. I, I just figured it out without locking. You know, figure it out on those lakes that you can go to without locking so you can maximize your time. Yeah. The I winning mean- fish are always there. It's not always an easy bite. Sometimes it's super tough um but if you spend enough time and commit to it just like we we're talking about the the live scoping and the active target stuff then then it's possible mm-hmm. to uh you know find that needle in the haystack yeah and i, and I mean down there i only well, i think f- you can fish five of the lakes without locking right i think so you got harris where you, you want to yeah harris little harris eustace dora Claire, carlton yeah horseshoe Denim, you can fish all those ones without locking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you still have a pretty a pretty fair area that you can you can get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking about you know challenges and and committing, we know you're not committed yet to to the EQs for next year. I know you got a lot on your mind with that. Um, so we won't dive into the schedule or anything for 2024. But I do want to talk to you about the changes uh, that they've made to the Open. So they you know they've increased payouts. Um, they've increased the spots they're paying out, entry uh, fees, entry fees. 
Did they increase entry fees? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Entry fees by two hundred. And then um, live coverage. They in, they added the live mm-hmm. coverage, which I think is a big deal, uh, especially for oh, for, for the sure. EQs folks uh, and and the return on investment for sponsors. Uh, and then I, I thought it was it was big when they changed the AOI payout to cover the first year's entries for the elites. Uh, that could be huge for for you know whoever does qualify. Uh, to kind of take some of the burden off there of worrying about sponsor money and stuff. So um, with those changes, you know, what are your thoughts? Uh, good, bad, Be- different? Before we get an answer to that, can we, can can I add on there? I, I'd like to know, because you fished the Opens before the EQ series started. Like, did you, no- were there, did you notice any major differences, attitudes, uh, competition level with how it was set up this year? And then everything Pete said, how do you think that's going to go <laughs> going forward? Yeah, I think competition-wise, not much different. Um, the fact that you are fishing that many in the travel and the, uh, you know, the amount of boats that we had, yeah, that that was a little bit different. You know, like than when I made it through the Eastern Opens when they split just to two divisions. They had the Eastern and the Central. Uh, that's the year that I made it. It was like mostly a Southern schedule in the East, and we had one Northern tournament. Um, competition wise, same. I mean, the year that I made it was all the FLW top tier FLW guys trying to bounce over to the elites. Yeah. Kind of when that stuff was getting dicey. So similar situation where you got a lot of FLW guys that just stopped, saw the writing on the wall. Well, MLF now and jumped in the open. So we got some good competitors there as well as all the local guys, which you always have you know, the regional local guys, and then, you know, getting some elite guys always jumping in and fishing them. I don't think it was that much difference in the sense of the competition other than just the breadth of it, just having so much more like an elite season, you know, grueling nine tournaments, starting early, finishing late, um, even later than an elite season typically would end, you know, having that uh, October Harris, Harris Chain tournament. So it was it was different in that sense. Um, it was interesting. I'll say it's interesting. Uh, not not having as good a payouts and changing them now is is a good thing. There's no doubt. That was probably the biggest gripe I heard from people was you're just not there's not enough money. Mm-hmm. Like when I was fishing the FLW tour or etc. Like it, it's hard to justify because you know. An FLW tour or whatever, they paid 80 out of 150 guys. You know, they're getting fit five grand, $10,000 or more. Or on the elites, you know, half the field is getting a $10,000 or more check. And then usually they pay down to, on the elites, like $2,500 check, you know, down to 70 something, I think it was. So just a different situation as far as payouts and, and stuff like that. And, I think a lot of people thought coming in, you can make a living doing that per se, where it's not really set up for that, but I'd say it's a little bit better in the sense now, the way that it's set up with the elite or the opens where you got the live coverage more to sell to a sponsor um, for every tournament, not just the, the last three. And then the entries didn't go up too much. I mean, it is significant over the course of nine events, but the payouts went up, about thousand mm-hmm. dollars probably per per spot like mm-hmm. lower check 
and they're paying more spots. I think they're paying 45. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah I was, full field. Hank, uh, I guess is the guy who runs the opens. He was on, I forget which yeah. podcast I was listening to. Um, but he was like, yeah, it was basically an extra entry fee when you add, right, it's $1,800, right? It's nine times 200. Yep. So it's an extra entry fee, but all that money apparently for those additional entry fees, that's all going to payouts. Mm -hmm. So they're not taking a dime of that. That's, <clears throat> that's, that's where we get, that's where the money's from to pay, I guess, the angler of the year and, and, and pay more spots down and increase some of those. Yeah. That's good too with the angler of the year money. Like that's, that's also enticing because you know, you have a good year. You can make another $45,000 if you win the points, you know, which that's significant. You know, it's like winning another tournament. Yeah. So before we move into, I know we're going to talk a little bit about changes with the major league fishing format. Um, mm -hmm. but we're not going to talk about that. Okay. So, uh, you fish the elites, you fish the opens before you fish the elites and you fish the EQs. Do you think, Based on your assessment of the, the EQs and having to fish all nine opens now, do you feel like this is a better format that's setting guys up for success if they do qualify for the elites? I think it is. Yeah, I think the structure of it is good. The idea is good because it is preparing you for that nine tournaments all around the country, you know, quick turnarounds, a lot of travel and just being able to be in that lifestyle. And can you do that? There's, I think it'll deter a lot of people from doing that just based on how much travel and how much really goes into this, especially if you're going to pre-fish, um, you know, it's, it's going to be 18, 19, 20 weeks on the road, you know, just to do those nine tournaments. Oh, they did change. Uh, you just mentioned it because of pre-fishing. They did change the pre-fishing rules, I think, for the Open. So it's now two weeks off limits? Yes. Instead and of I think part of that is because there's some co-anglers, you know, that we hung out with and had dinner with a fish a lot of them. And we talked about, why is there more co-anglers? And, and the one dude that I know, is, he's, he's pretty knowledgeable and got a beat on things. He said, because the local guys that normally fish co-angler turn like as a co-angler, when it comes around, they didn't want to fish it because they didn't want to have to stay off their lake for a month. Mm. So that was a big mm. reason why I think they weren't getting the co-angler numbers. And I, I would assume this will help only being off the water for two weeks. I would assume that would help with the co-angler numbers. Yeah, I forgot about that. Do, do you think, and, and you don't have to answer this, but do you think that the, the EQs, should be their own separate entity from the opens. Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. I, I have a feeling that's coming next year based upon the writing on the wall, but nothing's been officially released yet, but those rumors are going around. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's been, a, there's been a bunch of speculation about it, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, just like uh, on that, <clears throat> uh, again, I can't think of his last name, but Hank who runs the opens, he said, yeah, th there's going to be something different Weldon. with the EQs in 2020. What, what, what is it? Hank Weldon. Hank oh, Wilder, yeah. He said in 2024, no, five, right? 2025, there will be another change, but that's for yeah. next year. So we'll see. Uh, I'm sure they'll keep changing it to uh, to get whatever they need, right, for, for their for their circuit and, and business. So, yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting yeah. to see where, where it goes. Um, you know, we talked to Destin. We've talked to Harvey, uh, some other EQs folks, not on the show, but we've talked to them, and they all kind of said the same thing, like, 
uh, with, with everything that we have on the st- on the line and and that we've done to get to that point and all of that to one the co-angler kind of detracts a little bit because you're you have to worry about them and their safety and and they can ruin a day in a hurry if they say I'm not going out in that rough water but like there's a lot to it um, there's a lot of added stress to that um, and you know it's just uh, it just seems like it should go that way I think everybody wants it to so we'll see we'll see what bass does I'm sure there's there's going to be a lot of changes, you know, the, the industry's in a, in a weird place right now. Um, hey, it gives us something to talk about. It does. Yeah. It does. There's plenty of to talk about with, between all the three circuits. Yeah. I mean, it was, we were, we were actually destined, we were struggling a little bit. Uh, like we had guests lined out. About, we're like, we got that. We're like, man, it's about a month ago. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. And, and my buddy Boyd has fixed that for us. So we got all <laughs> kinds of stuff to talk about now. Um, well, the opens too. I mean, the yeah. opens have changed some things. It's yeah. a good thing to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there, I there's a the lot. same opens thing about having it as a separate thing. I just wanted to add, like, I think a lot of people were a little irritated because I, I think the FLW tour got like this. Cause remember they had like, those FLW tour like open type tournaments mm-hmm. where locals would jump in, come in and take their checks and they were getting irritated because they weren't fishing the whole season, paying the entries for the whole season. Like yeah. everybody else, they just come in and cherry pick on their home lake, which is like basically even a local buddy circuit kind of steers away from that because you have to have like this extra membership fee and you're paying extra per tournament to try to detract from mm-hmm. people cherry picking certain tournaments that they know they're going to do good in, you know what I mean? So yep. that's kind of frustrating a little bit, especially when, you know, guys like me or Harvey or any of the guys are, were committing and doing all nine tournaments. And then you, you miss a check by two spots and 20 of the spots were locals that got checked, you know, like, yeah, that's, like that's kind of frustrating I, at times. I but. think they tried to discourage some of that with, um, cause it used to be, if you just won an event, you went to the classic, but it was either last year or the year before that you have to win the event and then fish the other ones in that division. In that division, yeah, yes, yeah. We saw that but with uh with Bugs Island this year. Line. Yeah, yeah. Old Powell went out there. Yeah, Bugs Island. That guy. That guy Powell did some Kemp damage. Won. Yep. Powell, Powell Kemp won. He's the dangerous open. there. Very. Won, won the <laughs> open and then the very next weekend went and won Collins, which is a big a big marine that has a big tour. And they yeah. do what they call their Top Gun tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went and won that on the Chowan River with his partner. So in in two weekends, he won the BSS Open in that check. Then he went and won seventy five thousand dollars in a local tournament, qualified for the Classic. So pal, yeah, man, that was that was pretty cool. You had you had a heck of a two week <laughs> run there, yeah. Um, and looking forward, he's won to, a lot of money in Virginia and North Carolina. Yes, I yes, he has. And I had never heard of him, but as soon as he he got in the lead, all of my buddies that have been down here are like, oh yeah, we've donated a lot of money to that guy over the last twenty years. <laughs> but you know, but you know what? I'll tell you this: like looking at it from like other you know sports perspectives, you know, we can just use the NFL and the college level and the high school level as an example. Like if you're fishing the EQs, I mean, you're, you're fishing the elite series, but with a lot less payouts essentially. And having locals just jump in, I just can't walk on. I mean, I guess I could just walk on to an NCAA team, but it's not going to happen really. Um, 
but uh, preferred walk-ons. They I think it's certain people. Yeah, I mean, like it's kind of the same concept. So when you got guys out there trying to qualify or trying to make it to the NFL through college or trying to make it to the elites to the EQs, it does that would make some people a little you know ticked off you know what i mean so hopefully and not all change is bad i think everyone is so scared of change the change isn't bad and in fact i i I look at the efficient industry over the last five ten years and it's just more and more and more opportunities are out there i mean it's so it's saturated probably not as big as they want it to be but there's a lot of opportunities to do a lot of things in the fishing industry i think that's good and bad though yeah i think you're kind of watering everything down right now and where you had more sponsor opportunities because there's only, you know, one or two shows in town, essentially. Now you've got a lot more, you've got a lot more circuits within these circuits and, and it, it kind of waters everything down. You know what I mean? I think you're right. I think if everything is considered special, then nothing is special. And, and yeah. from the financial side, yeah, there's only so much money that's going to go around. And like a lot of these local and regional guys are soaking up a lot of sponsorship dollars and companies look at them at the regional level and say, well, these guys can push a lot of product. Well, you know, like that, there's only so much of it to go around. So I, I, I agree with you on that one. Yeah. I was going to say there's good value in that though. There's, there's always been a place for that mm-hmm. as far as the regional stuff. Um, there's a lot of baits and certain things that are very region based too. So like the blueback herring lake region, mm-hmm. if you're a good fisherman in that region, there's certain baits and things that excel that you can market well to that specific market. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So yeah, like, absolutely. You have a lot of value in those, that specific region, you know, Northeast, the blueback lakes, the, Florida, the, you know, the big baits, the Texas, the, those kind of places, like they're all like, there's a lot of regional guys that, that can get some good sponsor dollars in those certain like little niche areas based on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole West coast almost, I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah the West coast, big time. None of, no one goes over there. So, I so, mean. so saying that Destin, you know, talking about like saturation isn't always good. Um, you know, now with, you know, the elites and the EQs and the BPT and the Toyotas and the Invitationals and the MPFL and let the, the list goes on and on. Like, what would you actually, what, what kind of changes would you like to see? Would you like to see less major tournament trails or, or what kind of changes do you think may help out with those anglers who are committed to, oh, hold on. No, you're good. No, you're, you're good. good. <laughs> All right, sorry. But yeah, I mean, from your perspective, fishing at the the top level, um, like what changes would you like to see made? In the industry, you're saying? Yeah. As far as how that works? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I mean, really with the opens is like what I said. I think just like having that EQ separate, you know, from the opens would be a good, good start or even kind of dispelling the opens, making it the EQs. And now actually the Bass Federation has kind of changed in the sense that the divisionals are going to be more like open tournaments. So you can qualify through, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the weekend stuff, 
but you can also sign up and fish divisionals for a chance to go to nationals. Yeah. So it's essentially, to me, could replace that local, you know, regional open type thing. Well, they they used to have the weekender was a regional, wasn't it? The the BASS weekenders or weekend series, whatever they called it. Yeah, yeah. The the weekend series was a, like part of Bass, but now it's just it's split off and it's yeah. the ABA. Yeah, so almost bringing that that back. Um, if you look at it like you were saying, Tra- you know, Trey brought up sports like baseball, MLB, Double A, Triple A, solo yep. turn that solo trail, which is also really encouraging. Um, I mean, even at that weekend level, that there's no co angler, which I don't have a problem with co angler. Right, that's how I started, but like, especially at the opens level, I don't think you should. At the ABA, that's that's cool that you have that opportunity to fish solo. Mm-hmm. Um, but most local tournaments, yeah, I, I think you still have to have co-anglers and BFLs and, and all that yeah. stuff, too. Let, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think there's plenty of room. You know, the BFLs, I think, are, are – let's be honest. Any organization is probably trying to come up with the next BFL because that's mm-hmm. a – for, for that's probably the one success story in the MLF. Like, yeah. um, you know, they're they're making money there. Uh, you know, they're the Toyotas they're, are good too. I think yeah. the Toyotas help help but, um, MLF a lot. When you and, see, uh, there's good money in that championship. You know, if true. you make the championship, the entry fees are lower. I mean, I've considered doing that too. I used to fish some of those. Um, Northern schedule is really good. They have a lot of really good timing on all their schedules on really good fisheries so mm-hmm. they do some good stuff there for sure mm-hmm. so uh, my last question is and i don't know if i've ever heard anyone ask this or any or anything like that but when you look at the bassmaster classic you got several different ways to get to the bassmaster classic do you think that that should be allowed for anglers outside of the elites to go to the essentially the Super Bowl. I mean, when you look at two NFL teams playing against each other in the Super Bowl, you don't get like somebody from college to come up there and play in the Super Bowl with you, right? And I I I I, I don't want to be like callous about it, but like when you're when you're at the Elite Series or you're at the BPT and you're fishing Redcrest, do you think that others should be able to join that or do you think that should be exclusive to those on the Elites and the BPT? That's a good question. Funny enough, I was just talking to my friend uh, Brian Key about that earlier today. Um, he's he was talking about as if you're taking classic spots away, you know, from elite series guys. Which yeah, it's a good point. And and he was talking about how college is taking those now. And there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of different things that are taking classic spots away potentially from you know elite series guys. Uh, I think that's a hard sell. Um, I think that's what draws a lot of people to fish the opens that necessarily don't want to make the elites. Um, they're just fishing them just to make the classic. Uh, that's like the carrot to get you to come yeah. fish that tournament. Um, also with the nation, if you don't have the ability to make the classic, you know, somehow through the Bass Nation, it's going to be hard to get guys to fish 25 tournaments locally, regionally, whatever, to get to go put the time in and the money. And there's not very good payouts in the Bass Nation usually to go to that 
to do what you need to do to go to that national and hopefully make the the, the classic through the through that. Yeah, um, I think that's really what it is. Do I think it's it's perfect? No, I don't. But I think it's just a hard sell if you're going to not give those spots no. um, to those other trails because that's the carrot that's being dangled to get them to keep fishing it to go onto the I think you, know, you just fish the classic with a just, chance with a chance you just have to look at what the classic has always been the classic's never been a championship for the top level of BASS it's always been the the championship for the entirety of the organization right so it's all the best fishermen in BASS not just the elites not just the opens not just the weekend you know, not just TNT, all, all the various things. It's been for anybody that fishes the organization. So I think you take away from the organization as a whole and how it was created to to give anglers a platform. If you if you were to take that and just make it for elite guys, it would. You might as well just change it from the classic and say it's the elite series championship at that. Yeah, point. I, I think um, the U.S. Open for golf is the same way. I think you can qualify as an amateur because I think that was a big deal this year. Yeah, somebody finished high enough there and got their pro card because of it. Yeah, yeah, they they cool. yeah. yeah. So and yeah, I don't know if you can get a like the, the nation. Does the Bass Nation winner does he get a spot on the Elite Series or is it just the classic? The, the winner of the national championship gets an invite to the Elites. Yes, okay. but if one of the other guys, it's never happened. I don't believe it's ever happened. Um, would win they would also get an invite. If you win the classic and you're not in the elites, you would automatically get yeah, you get an, okay. invite. an invite to the okay. elites. Yeah, it's just a, you know, like, I think we always try to compare competitive bass fishing to other sports when in yeah. reality we just need to define our own yeah. narrative. Yeah. You know, there has to be. I think golf is similar, though. Yeah. You know, structure, I think golf is a very similar one to, to fishing and how they've laid it out. Yeah, and if you, you look at, like, Red Crest, for, on the MLF side, they've always set that up as the MLF's culminating event, not the BPT, not the Toyota, not the Open, not yeah. the or the uh, because, because uh, Invitationals or whatever it is now. And then like the MPFL is just their league, so theirs is the championship. They right. don't have a feeder right. system. If they did, maybe they would look at it different. Yeah. Um, it's hard because it's like a we talk about it similar to baseball with different leagues, but then the championships are different. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of its own culture with the way that stuff works. And it, it is, yeah. Right. You would really take away. And there was one person that has won the Classic and, and got that spot, and that was Brian Kirchhoff. Who Kirchel. was it? Brian Kirchhoff. Did he win the Classic? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's the only Bass Nation he, um, champion to win the Bassmaster Classic. He won it on He was the champion of the, the National, though, right? So yeah. he had already... Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, he won both. You're right. So that. Yeah. Yep. But you're no, right. So he would no, double right, He's the only Bass Nation guy that's ever has won. ever won the the classic. You're right. Yeah. Um, you know. You, you know. It's funny, Dustin. Uh, you know the story of him finding like the worm floating in the uh, in the lake. Yes, I do. <laughs> so when I was up on Bugs Island, I I went back into a pocket and I saw a worm floating in the top of the water, and that was the first thing I thought of. But Did stupid me, I didn't grab it, oh. and I didn't. I, I did terrible that turn. <laughs> I know. I'm never going to do it again. I will always grab a worm that's floating on the water and be like, "Well, it's being thrown for a reason, so I'm going to throw it." You know. So or it could because Craig was out like there practicing. Talked to you before. <laughs> And during Bugs Island, didn't I? Yeah, so Bugs kicked my butt, man. It was one of those things where I didn't have a full plan, a backup plan. 
And uh, I went out and, you know, the conditions were exactly the same. And this just goes to show you that it's the hardest sport in the world because you're competing against live, you know, organisms. And uh, so I went out and fished probably 30 or 40 brush piles or practiced them and went and hit those same brush piles the next day. And the only thing I caught all day was a six inch fish. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know why, uh, but it was my version of the, uh, St. Lawrence river this year. You know what I mean? Like it just didn't work <laughs> I, out. <laughs> I told you what to throw to win that. I don't. So here's my thing, Dustin. I'm not huge on doc talk. Like I don't like listening all, to people. All you needed was a rig. I, I may <laughs> ask advice, but I like, I'm really, and I don't know how it is on the EQs or anything like that, but like, I'm really big on like not listening to people when I'm like, I don't care what you're doing. Like if you tell me there's a good area, sure. I'll go check it out. But I like to fish my way and maybe it's biting me in the butt sometimes. I think it's better to do it that way. Honestly. I mean, like me and a couple of people will talk, you know, occasionally about what's going on, you know, what we're seeing, but we fish so differently that it almost doesn't always really help. It yeah. might clue you into what the fish, like this, the phase they're in or what they're doing, but yeah. you got to go figure out that bite on your own what the works. way that you want to finish it obviously and that's if you go back and listen listen to our episode with john mm -hmm. cruz we talk about you know the importance now of the housing and and kind of teaming with practice and stuff and one of their steadfast rules is we don't say where we don't say what we say 15 i caught him at 15 foot of water yeah and so that's the piece of information you need and you go figure out how you're going to catch them in 15 foot of water um so much like Trey, I don't. I try not to get caught up in doc talk, but there there is value there if you're getting information like water depth, or if it's a certain part of the lake, if you have different clarities or or wind or things like that. Um, but I always hate when those have got. Oh, just go out there and throw that green shaky head, and then you throw a green shaky head and don't get a bite, and it's like. Yeah, that was dumb. I should have done what I wanted to do. And then you yeah. find out the guy that beat you was doing exactly what your plan was. Yeah. You're like, well, I should have just done that. Um, I think or, that's the biggest thing is like if you beat if you get beat doing your own thing, like you knew you like you can at least be proud that you were doing it. But if you get beat mm -hmm. because you listen to everyone else around you and you're like, Dad gum it, like I should have done what I did. That's more you know? frustrating. Yeah. And I had an absolutely frustrating. Yeah. I had my season this I've year. I've been was in terrible. that place where I've listened too much. I'm like, why did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> I did it all year this year. I listened to everybody and didn't do what I like to do. And I had an absolute terrible like tournament fishing season this year. Yeah. And next year I'm just, just gonna gotta, do what I do. Yeah, stick with what your strength is or strengths and apply it to the fishery and what they're doing and just commit. I mean, and a lot of times you it's live scope now and, and scoping and stuff uh, deep. I know, also just finding yeah. stuff offshore yeah i also say that learning to use live scope during a tournament is not the time to do it oh no ask me how i know mm -hmm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i always intend to go out and do it in the off season but then they get shallow and i yeah just too much fun on a square but there's always fish <laughs> deep isn't there destin there's always fish that are deep there is yeah always mm -hmm. yeah so destin uh appreciate you coming on um i don't know if you guys have any other questions uh we've taken up a bunch of his time he's got wife and daughter ready for for dad time and husband time um before we go would you just want to give the opportunity as always to shout out you know your sponsors and and those that uh, help you do what you do as well as uh plug your socials and for anybody listening i'll have his socials also linked down below so you can you can get them down there in the description cool well yeah if you got them down there i'll, 
just let them look down there. But uh, yeah, shout out to Duredge for sure. Mm-hmm. My my title sponsor for a long time. Also my my job. We we install infield mix and manufacture it for baseball fields. Uh, X2 batteries, um, Rabbit Bait. They're a sponsor of the Toyota series, actually the Northern Toyotas. Uh, Turwit Team Realty. We've been together for a few years and Centimark Corporation Commercial Roofing. Do you get, you got any new sponsors coming or no? No. I'm talking to one. Uh, yeah. So so that that's what so you know Destin has good relationships with good companies when you're not like sponsor shopping that much and so um and that's what we love about you man like you're you're just a good dude you know I think that's like I don't know about all that but I appreciate that that's that's lesson (laughs) dude that's lesson one lesson 101 for anybody just be a good human being it goes a long way we definitely appreciate you joining us Destin let us uh take some of your time of course i always enjoy talking to you guys it's just like hanging out with, with my bud so that's right pretty cool. yeah. definitely appreciate it i do have a uh i do have a question for you but it's i'll ask it when we get offline here oh it's, it's an offline question it's an offline Ooh. question so so is that oh man yeah. it's getting serious. how bad is this it's hard to say but everybody listening we appreciate y'all uh like we said the the onset this is the this will be the forty seventh week we've put an episode out. Uh, Destin was number five. He was episode number five. I went back and counted just to confirm my thoughts were right in my head, and they were. Uh, so we appreciate all the support. Rarity. Yeah, I know. Make sure you go down below. Uh, check out the sponsors that are down there uh, that help us do the show. Uh, you hear you hear us read ads and stuff, but uh, you know supporting them also helps support us. Helps us keep doing this. Helps us be able to bring you more stuff like we did with the NPFL and all that. Uh, so we really appreciate everybody's support. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Uh, really helpful if you leave a review. We read all of those. Uh, we do have a big giveaway coming, and I, I know I keep talking about it. I promise you it is number one on my list this week. We're going to put together how we're going to do that. Uh, we're also going to draw for the Carolina Waters for October. Uh, appreciate everybody that, that screenshot and sent me those uh, invoices, so we'll get that done. Um like uh, like Trey said, just be a good person. Help us continue to grow a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. Huh? It's a f***ing toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. feel like it's going to be a bad day.